Turning your Bibles to Esther chapter 9 this morning, we're continuing. It's a, it's a great book. We see the providence and, pro, uh, providence and protection and sovereignty of God as He's working in the lives of His people. We're, we're near the end. We're near the end of the study, and we're seeing the institution of the feast, which is called Purim. Okay? Every year, the Jewish people, I mean, every year, in fact, it's coming up on March the 3rd and the 4th. March 3rd and 4th is going to be Purim. We'll see it. It's, uh, it's a feast that they celebrate. They remember what happened in this book. They remember what happened, how God protected them and saved them. There's so much we've seen in this study. Think about it. We've seen kings and queens and decrees and banquets and times of sorrow and joy and death and life and all of those things. Well, this morning as we continue, let, let's look at several issues, okay? Just think about three things. First of all, the providence of God. We've seen it all the way through the book. God is working behind the scenes. He's never even mentioned in the book of Esther, and yet you can see clearly that God is, is, is doing all of these events. So we'll see the providence of God. We talk about traditions, because in a sense, when you think about the Feast of Purim, it's a tradition, and we want to think about things we celebrate, things we think about. And then the last thing is the sowing and the reaping. And, and, and be not deceived, God is not might, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever you put in, you get out. We see it clearly with Haman and what he tried to do and what came back on him. We see it how Mordecai and Esther and how they lived and what came back. So th- there's a great principle from the Bible, which we call the principle of sowing and reaping. So there's some great things we'll see as we get into our study. Well, you know, it's easy to forget things. It's, it, you know, some, if you don't write some things down, we forget them. And it's so easy to forget. Let me let's say it this way. It's easy to forget what God has done for us. You say, really? Yeah, think about it. I mean, what has God done for us? Just in the most simple thing, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to the earth, to die on the cross, to pay for sin, to rise again, conquering death, and giving eternal life simply by faith. So every one of us in this room who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, we have eternal life. And we get up every day, and what we should do when we get up every day is say, thank you, Lord, for another day. You saved me. You've given me life. Thank you. And it's so easy to take for granted the things that we know. Psalm 77, verse 11 says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. God wants us to remember what he's done. Think Think about history for just a second. Think about the Bible, especially the Jewish people. Think about some of the things. I'm just going to throw them up here. Think about, go ahead, the Exodus. I mean, when they came out of Egypt, they, uh, they, they gave them the Passover, and they, they, they killed the lamb, and they put the blood on the door. And then every, every year after that, on the 14th day of the first month, they, had, they remember Passover. They do that to this day. And they remember what happened. And you think about when they crossed in the Promised Land, as they crossed the, the Jordan River, as they crossed over, it became dry land, and they all crossed over, and God told them to take some rocks and put down in there, and some other rocks on the other side. So whenever people said, what are those rocks there for? They say, that's where we crossed over. And then for the Jewish families, if you remember what he told them, he said, you want you to take the law, the copies of the Word of God, and, and, and put them on, and he actually said, put them in your mind, and put them, and so what they did is they literally put a little box and put the Bible in it, wrote, put it around their hand, and then they put a little box around their head, and they wore it right there, and they put it up on their door. And then the Feast of Purim, which we're seeing here, that in March, Jewish people all over the world are going to remember this. See, if you think this, like, this is a story, no, this is not a story. This actually happened. And the Jewish people have celebrated this all these years. And then we think about Jesus and the Lord's Supper, which ties back into Passover, but goes for us as we remember. And we've got the Lord's, you know, the elements this morning. We're going to remember what Jesus has done for us. God doesn't want us to forget 
what he does and what he has done. This morning as we study Esther, we're going to see the institution of the feast called Purim, a celebration so the Jews will not forget. Last time we saw it was D-Day. It was Decree Day. And, and it was really two aspects there. It was death to the Jews. There was a decree that said all the Jews could be killed on a certain day, 13th day of the 12th month. But also a decree went out that said life to the Jews. And all the Jews could defend themselves. And we saw the two decrees and, and we saw it. And with the authority of the king Ahasuerus, Mordecai was raised up. He wrote the second decree. It all went out and the Jewish people gained great victory. We saw that they killed 75,000 people throughout the 127 provinces of, of, uh, the, of the kingdom, the Medo-Persian Empire. And they killed 800 people just in the capital city. They didn't plunder anything. They just defended themselves. And so it was a great day. And then we saw this, that the Jews in the city have a day of celebration on the 15th because they actually fought on the 13th and the 14th, but the Jews in the country, which was all the rest of the place, fought only on the 13th, and then they rested on the 14th. So you really, at first, you had two different days. You had the Jews on the 13th defending themselves, the Jews on the 14th defending themselves, that was in the city, but the other Jews defending themselves on the 14th and then rested, uh, defending themselves on the 13th and rested on the 14th. So all of a sudden, you've, you've got two things. And we're going to see that Mordecai is going to say something like this. We can't celebrate two different days. We have to all come together, and we're going to see what happens. So let's, let me break down the passage for you. We're going to see the Feast of Purim is established, where Mordecai writes to establish it. It gives a review of the events in 24 through 28, and then the feast is confirmed at the end, and Esther helps write that as well. And so let's see what happened. We saw last time in the first 19 verses of chapter 9, we saw the victory and the killing of the, of the, bad, of the people who tried to kill them, and, and on the 13th day, uh, they did it all, and the People in the country rested on the 13th and the 14th day. They did it all, and they rested on the 15th. And so it's just going to be a great thing. Let's see what happens. Look at verse 20. The feast is going to be, I think this is the, let me, I think the next slide, does it show it? The feast is going to be established. Let me, let me just look at this right for a second. Mordecai is going to establish a celebration so the people will not forget what God has done. And there's going to be a celebration on the 14th and the 15th day of the month of Adar, which is for them their 12th month, which was about our March, okay? It, it overlaps sometimes. Sometimes it's March, April. Sometimes it's February, March. When you talk about Passover, sometimes Passover, which is a month later, is sometimes March. Sometimes it's April. It's just according to the Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar is based off the moon. It's lunar, okay? And so our calendar is different than the Jewish calendar. And so on what was be their 12th month, 13th day was the decree, and then the 14th and the 15th, they're going to rest. Watch what happens. Then Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews who were in the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far. So he sent this out, and here's what he's going to do in verse 21, obligating them to celebrate the 14th day of the month of Adair and the 15th day of the same month annually. So they're going to, and just leave it on that slide, that's what he's going to do. They're going to establish everything, and he's going to say, everybody, every year on the 14th and the 15th day, we're going to have a celebration. We're going to have a party. Every year on the 14th day of the first month and the 15th day of the first month, we're going to remember what happened, and we're going to say, God was so great, let's have a party. Right? And that's what we should do. We wake up every day and say, God's so great. Let's have a party. You know, and think about it. He is the greatest. What do we do when we come together on a Sunday morning? What is worship? Worship is responding to God, to who He is and what He's done. You should be excited. You should say, I am here to worship the living God. He allowed me to live another day. He's gifted me. He's put me together with fellow believers. I get to come together corporately 
and worship Jesus Christ. We should be excited. It's amazing. So look what he goes on to say. They were to celebrate the 14th of the month and the 15th of the month. Verse 22 explains it. Because on those days, the Jews rid themselves of their enemies. And it was a month which was turned for them from sorrow into gladness, from mourning into a holiday, so that they should make them days of feasting and rejoicing and sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So they made it a yearly holiday. And there's a reason that he did this that Mordecai did this one is they were celebrating two different days if you lived in the city you celebrated the 15th if you lived in the country you celebrated the 14th he said I think we need to come together and celebrate both the 14th and the 15th and we need to do this so we will not forget what God has done not forget he gave them Passover so they wouldn't forget he gave them going into the land so they wouldn't forget he gave them feast days and everything so they wouldn't forget. And he doesn't want them to forget. Notice how he explains, and look at verse 22 again. He says, because this is the month in which everything was turned from sorrow, into, from, from, from sorrow to gladness, from mourning to a holiday. No, notice three things. It was the time that they rid themselves of their enemies. Do you know, if you've been reading the papers, uh, I get a Jewish newspaper that comes from Israel. And there's been a celebration of the seven, 70th year since uh, Auschwitz and Birkenau and, the, and that the Jewish people were saved from the Holocaust. And I've read all kind of write-ups just lately about people who are still alive who were, who were 11 years old or 12 years old and they said they can still remember seeing some Russian soldiers and some American soldiers. And they saw them, it gets me, they saw them coming and they knew they were going to live. Jewish people, and you know what they say? Thank the Lord that not all, I mean, six million of us was killed, but not all of us. And the Jewish people on Purim say that they were going to wipe us all out. But God saved us then. We're never going to forget it. Never going to forget it. Rid us of our enemies. Our sorrow turned to joy. Our mourning turned to a holiday. It's a great time of celebration. Look at verse 23. Thus the Jews under, under, undertook what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. I want to stop for a second. I want to remind you of something. All throughout the history of the nation of Israel, when you think about the Bible, the Bible deals with the Jewish people. From Genesis chapter 1 through about 1 through 11, deals with the world as a whole. Beginning in chapter 12 of Genesis, all the way up to basically Acts chapter 2 and 3, you have... The Jewish people are the key of everything. And the Jewish people are the key because through the Jewish people we have the Word of God and through the Jewish people we have the Messiah. And so when you start thinking about God dealing with His people, and we've talked about it these last few weeks, about this is God's chosen people, not for salvation. Each person, Jew or Gentile, must believe in the Messiah personally, must trust in Jesus to have eternal life. So just being Jewish doesn't save you. But being Jewish means you are God's chosen people to bring about certain things. Let me remind you of some of the celebrations, go ahead, that God has for his people. Think about this. First of all, let's throw the next one up there. The first one's called the Sabbath. He told them they'd work, on six, work six days and rest on the seventh. You know why? He said, because in six days God created the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he rested, so you shall work for six days, and you shall rest on the seventh. Sabbath is Saturday. First day of the week is Sunday. This is the first day of the week. We gather together and worship on the first day of the week because Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week. Jewish people work on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, all the way to Saturday, and then they rest. 
on the Sabbath day. That was a set-apart day for them. He also set apart a month. He had a monthly feast. It was one day or two days. It was just according to the month. Some days it was one day, some days it was So at the beginning of a month, they would remember what God has done for them. Then he gave them a series of feasts in Leviticus chapter 23. Passover, you remember that? 14th day of the first month. The Passover lamb, the blood was shed. They came out of Egypt, and they never forgot that. And It was a picture of the Messiah and the Savior. Right after the 14th day was the 15th to the 21st, a feast of unleavened bread, which reminded them to live pure lives. Then in that same week was a feast called First Fruits, which they got the first fruit of the ground, which was a picture of resurrection. Jesus died on Passover. Jesus rose on First Fruits. Passover is a picture of his death. First Fruits is a picture of his resurrection. He gave them the Feast of Pentecost, which was the giving of supposedly a law, but the church began on Pentecost. He gave them the Feast of Trumpets, which was the in-gathering. It's a picture of the nation of Israel coming together. He gave them the Day of Atonement, in which sin was covered until the Messiah would pay for sin. And then he gave them a feast, feast called the booths or tabernacles in which was their gathering together, which was a foreshadow of the kingdom. All of these feasts, and then he gave them to remember, all had something to do with how God was dealing with his people. He gave them two other feasts that are not there. One is called the Feast of Lights, called Hanukkah, which most of you know about it. It, 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 it basically hits about our December most of the year. It's how they remember God protected the people from an evil man named Antiochus Epiphanes IV in the year 173 to 167 uh, B.C. And, and then the Feast of Purim. So we have all these feasts that God gives his people, and he says, don't forget what I have done for you. What does that tell us? Let's not forget what God has done for us. He takes care of us moment by moment by moment. Now, let's see the review. The review of the events, the past events, which we're going to see. Next slide. And we're going to see Purim means the casting of lots. Look at the verse 24. For Haman, the the son of Hamatha, the Agite, the adversary of the Jews had schemed against the Jews to destroy them and cast Pur, which is the lot, to disturb them and destroy them. Pur is a, is, a, is a Persian word, which means lot. You know, lot was like a They would get a couple of sticks or stones or rocks, and they would cast them out like dice, and they would roll a certain way. And he did that. He cast it out, and it came up on the 12th day, uh, excuse me, the 13th day of the 12th month. That's how he decided he was going to kill all the Jews on that day, the casting of lots. Lot by itself is the word pur. M- plural lots is purum. This is why this feast is called Purim. And so he decided that he would destroy them. This was the casting of lots. And we'll see that. So he goes on to say, but, but when it came to the king's attention, he commanded by letter that this wicked scheme which he had devised against the Jews should return on his own head and he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. And that's exactly what happened. And you remember that how amazing it was that he had built, that Haman, the bad man, had built this, this big tall pole. And when we say gallows, we're talking about a stick that's sharpened, not a rope. And he had built it 75 feet high, and his plan was to kill Mordecai and stick him on that pole. But what happened? He ended up being stuck on his own pole, and his ten sons were put to death. Amazing. And then he says in verse 26, Therefore... They call these days Purim, after the name of Pur, and because of the instructions in this letter, both what they had seen in regard and what had happened to them. And so now we see how they put it together. Watch verse 27. The Jews established and made a custom for themselves and for their descendants and for all those who allied themselves with them 
so that they would not fail to celebrate these two days according to the regulations and according to their appointed time annually. So that these days were to be remembered and celebrated throughout every generation, every family, every province, every city. And these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews or from their memory fade for their descendants. So it's a two-day feast celebrated yearly to be celebrated by every Jew everywhere and not fade from memory. Well, I'm going to tell you what. In March, just about a month from now, all through not only Israel but through the whole world where Jewish people are, many of them, most of them, will celebrate this holiday called Purim. It is amazing. How do they celebrate it? You ever thought about it? It's going to be March, I, I told you a while ago, I think 34, it's March 4th and 5th, that's the exact date, March 4th and 5th. Here's what they do. On the 13th day of the month, which was the bad day, remember 14th and 15th is the party? On the 13th, they go to the synagogues, and it's a time of lamentation. It's a time of sorrow at first when they get there. They're remembering that this was the day that a decree went out to kill them all. But they also remember it's a day that they had victory. They begin with a fast, means they don't eat. They come, and they don't eat, and they have a time of reflection. They go to the synagogue. And someone reads the book of Esther, the whole book, without stopping. And they read it, and they all sit together, and they read it. And I told you this, that whenever the name of Haman is mentioned, they all hiss and boo. And they even have these little deals that, look, that, that swing around like this and make this grinding noise. And whenever Haman's name is mentioned, they do it, and they go boo. And every time Mordecai's name is mentioned, they cheer. Now think about that if we'd read the whole book. What would you be doing as I go through there? And Haman, yeah, and then, and then Mordecai, and everybody would be clapping, and it'd be great. Yeah, it would be wonderful. I started to say, let's read a portion of the book and let's see how we do, but we're okay, we're okay. <laughs> now, there is a tradition by some men, this is true, there's a tradition by some men that they take wine, and every time the name Haman is mentioned and everybody boos, they take a drink and say, cursed be to Haman. And every time Mordecai's name is mentioned, they take a drink and say, Blessed be Mordecai. And the tradition is, get to the point where you don't know whether you're cursing or blessing. That, <laughs> That's all on the 13th. Then they go home and they come back on the next day, the 14th, which is supposed to be the party days, right? They go back and they read the book a second time and they do the same thing. Then they go home and they, 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 go home and they have a festive holiday meal. And they start and they give gifts to people. And then they take food to the poor. Whoever they consider poor, they take food. And then they do this for two days. And they dress up. And they put on costumes. And it's a big party. You want to see what it looks like? I don't know. Can, can we turn down the lights? I don't know if we can turn it Just for these slides, just so you can see what these people look like. These are Jewish families in Israel. Just turn them all the way off. Yeah, if you can turn them all the way off. You know. look, look, there they are. They're dressing up. They're, look at that little boy. He's, look, what's he dressed up like? He's dressed up like the high priest of Israel. He's got the breastplate on and all that. You know, he's ready to go. Look at that little girl with her little thing. Now, here's the next one. There they are. She's like an angel, right? And look at the little boy. I don't know what he is. I can't tell what that is. All right? Look at the next one. They're all dressing up. Look at them. They have a parade. They come to, they, you know, they got all their, they go, well, wear all kind of different clothes. Look at the next one. 
There's a, look at the kids. Are they having fun or what? Look at them. I think that little boy's got a bad. He's fixing to get Haman. I bet you whatever he, that name is mentioned. Look, there's the little guy dressed up like the, the high priest. I think, is there one more slide? I think there's one more in there. Look, look at them. It's like a party. There's their flag. There's the people. And, and, and this, this is Purim. And they're not just having a party. They're saying, God saved us all. Because if they'd all been wiped out, none of them would be there. You can turn back the lights on now. But that's what it looks like. It's, it's sort of like, a, not, not necessarily Halloween. Our people dress up at Halloween. They dress up in all kind of characters, all kind of things. You sh- I'm sure there are a bunch of little girls who are Queen Esther, right? Yeah, there's probably a bunch of little guys who think they're Mordecai. And there's probably not very many Hamans. You know, let's just face it. You know, who wants to be him? But that's what we see. We need to remember what God has done for us. And, you know, in just a little bit, we're going to do that. Because he sent Jesus to become a human being, to die for us, pay for our sins, bore in his body our sin, shed his blood for us. We don't need to forget that. And we're going to celebrate that in just a minute. Well, let's look at the feast is, is going to be confirmed now, beginning in verse 29. Then Queen Esther, daughter of Abihel, with Mordecai, the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter about Purim. So they sent a letter out to, to every Jew to tell them we're going to celebrate the 14th day and the 15th day of the month. It's going to be a party. It's going to be festive. And we're going to, we're going to send gifts and presents and food to the poor. That's what we're going to do. And then in verse 30, so he sent the letters to all the, notice, not to all the people, to the, all the Jews, because this is a Jewish festival. This is not just all the people. This is Jews. So he sent letters to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, namely, words of peace and truth to establish these days of Purim at their appointed times, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established for them, and just as they had established for themselves and for their descendants with instructions for the times of fasting and lamentations. They put the whole thing together, and they're establishing the Feast of Purim. You're going to fast on the 13th day, and on the 14th and the 15th, you're going to have food and gifts, and you're going to read the book of Esther over and over. Now, let me tell you something. Is God's name mentioned in Esther? No, it's not. Did you know that there was a group of a group of Jews that lived outside of Israel near the Dead Sea in the Qumran area called Essenes? Nobody knows exactly who they were. Some people actually think John the Baptist had something to do with them. Some tradition even has that from Jesus age 12 through age 30 might have had something to do with them. There's no record of that. They were a little bit different. They did not recognize the Jewish high priest or the Jewish government. They did not recognize the Roman government. They lived by themselves, sort of like had their own little group. When the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were the writings of the Essenes. And there were all kind of writings that they had about their own people, but they had what we'd say is a copy, or many copies of the Scripture that put our copies back a thousand years even earlier. So, And it, what's amazing is they were exactly what we have. So if you ever wonder, do we have actually the accurate Bible because it's been copied and translated? You got it. But guess what? Out of all of the books of the Old Testament, there was only one book they didn't have. It's Esther. Because they said, what we find in their writings, it doesn't mention God, so we're not going to put it in our book. 
Let me ask you a question. Is God found in the book of Esther? All through it. Listen, think, think about this. Think about this. So Queen Vashti gets disposed, right? Out of all of the people in the world, Esther's the one chosen. The plot against the king to kill his life. Mordecai finds out about it and saves the king's life, and he's not even rewarded. Wonder why? We see that that Haman wants to kill all the Jews, but what happened to him? He ended up being killed. We see that Haman wanted to kill Mordecai, and the king wanted to honor Mordecai. We see that the, that that Queen Esther had a had a party to tell the king what Haman was going to do, and she didn't even tell him, and she waited the next day to have a party. Why? So the king couldn't sleep and he read the things about Mordecai. As we see this book, everything points to God's sovereignty. And let me tell you, you look at your life, there is no chance in your life. There is no fate. There is no bad luck. In fact, there isn't even good luck. There is no luck at all. God's working all things according to the counsel of his will. He's working all things. And so I'm going to tell you, this is a great book, and I'm glad it's in the Bible, and I'm glad the Jewish people celebrate it, and I'm glad that, that in about a month, you can go on newspapers, or you can go on the website, and you can go to Israel, and you'll see Jewish people celebrating what we just studied. It's amazing. So notice the last part. The command of Esther established these customs for Purim, and it was written in the book. What book? What book do you think it was written in? Huh? Well, the book of what? It, well, probably, it's probably, we'd say the Bible. It was probably written in the writings of the Jewish people, which ultimately is the Bible. So you're exactly right. You have it. God saved his people. And they have a feast to remember it. What did God do for us? He sent his son Jesus to die for us and pay for our sin and rise again. And he gives us the gift of eternal life. He has saved us. We ought to have a party. We ought to say, thank you, Lord. And we are, we are this morning. Let me give you some applications, okay? Going to do something a little bit different. First of all, let's remember that God's in control, that he's working all things according to the counsel of his will, that in his providence he oversees everything. You know, it's amazing. You remember the part in Isaiah where Isaiah sees the Lord? He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on his, you may know, on his throne. He is not moving around going like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. He's sitting on his throne because he's in control. He provides and protects. He takes care of his people. He takes care of us. There is nothing by chance. So, hey, I want you to think about this. Count it all joy. When you fall into various what? Trials. Because the testing of your faith works. Patience. You've got to trust him because God's working. Second, B, look to God's promises. He's working all things according to the counsel of his will. And he never goes back on a promise. Then we do something different. On your handout, we're going to the third application rather than the second one. Watch. Let's remember the principle of what? Sowing and reaping. Be not deceived. God is not mine. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You think of what happened to Haman. You know, and Galatians 6, 7, whatever you put in, you get out. I think there's several other things on the slide. Why do we live? Why should we live to glorify our Savior? Why? 
Because here's what we put in. When we live for Jesus Christ, it brings joy in our testimony and the blessings and rewards and all of these things. So when you seek to live for Jesus Christ, what you're putting in, you're getting out blessings and testimony and joy and rewards, all of those things. That takes us to our third application, which is actually second. And it is this. Let's remember what God has done for us. 